0: Welcome back to the Abnormal Psychologist podcast, hosted by Dr. Colby Taylor, a psychologist and associate professor of behavioral sciences at Christian Brothers University in Memphis, Tennessee. So it's been a little bit. I had high hopes of uh, publishing episodes a little more frequently, um, but my clinical duties and my teaching duties have sort of um, impeded that a little bit. Uh, It's been a great semester so far. I'm recording this episode on September 27th. Uh, I'm teaching a night class this semester from 5.45 p.m. to 10.15 p.m., so it's a bear. It's an eight-week course, and we are six weeks through it, so in two weeks, I'm going to have so much more free time and can hopefully publish more episodes. Speaking of free time, I'm able to come at you today because I had a clinical no-show. I got stood up today for my clinical work, and that opened up my entire day, and I said, I have a podcast I've really been wanting to record. Um, Let's do it. And so here we are. Um, I don't offer this disclaimer much. I I don't know that I've ever offered this before at the beginning of my podcast, but somebody else does the subject of today's podcast much better. So you should probably just turn off this podcast right now and go to This American Life and look up the episode 81 words, because I'm sure you'd rather listen to Ira Glass than me. Um, Ira Glass is so much better than I am. The subject of today's episode is Dr. John Fryer. Um, The 81 words in the This American Life um, episode, the name of the episode, 81 words, uh, refers to an old DSM diagnosis. Uh, It dates back to the DSM-2, and the diagnostic code was 302.0. 302.0 was the diagnostic code for homosexuality. And the description of the diagnosis was 81 words long. If you search 302.0 right now, uh, you won't find anything in the DSM. Um, uh, And that's sort of the the whole reason we're doing today's episode. Um, uh, It transferred to sexual orientation disturbance in 1974. And it's still around in the ICD-9 if you enter in 302.0. Uh, today, it would be ego dystonic sexual orientation. Um, anyways, those famous 81 words describing this DSM-II diagnosis of homosexuality were, this category is for individuals whose sexual interests are directed primarily towards objects other than people of the opposite sex, towards sexual acts not usually associated with coitus, or toward coitus performed under bizarre circumstances, as in necrophilia, pedophilia, sexual sadism, and fetishism. Even though many find their practices distasteful, they remain unable to substitute normal sexual behavior for them. This diagnosis is not appropriate for individuals who perform deviant sexual acts because normal sexual objects are not available to them, end quote. And I entered this in into Microsoft Word and did a word count, and it is in fact 81 words long. Um... This description didn't just describe homosexuality. Um, It also uh, described what today would be included probably as paraphilias. Um, It included sadism, masochism, voyeurism, fetishism, exhibitionism, and transvesticism. Again, all of these diagnoses um, are still on the books today um, in the DSM-5 text revision, with the exception of homosexuality, which was taken away 49 years ago. Um, We're in 2022, right? So it would have been 1973. We'll talk about how that came to be um, in today's podcast. Also, if you search that 302.0 diagnostic code in the ICD-9, it is still a diagnosis. Um, It's ego-dystonic sexual orientation. Anyways, uh, the subject of today's podcast is John Ursell Fryer. We're going to catch up with him in 1972, 50 years ago. Uh, He's 34 years old in 1972. Um, He was born in Winchester, Kentucky. Winchester, Kentucky is right outside of Lexington, and right next to the coolest, in my opinion, named Kentucky town, um, which is Colby, Kentucky. Uh, Growing up, uh, John Fryer was super precocious. He took college classes at age 15, and he enrolled in medical school um, right around the corner at Vanderbilt at age 19. Uh, He then go on to residency at the University of Pennsylvania. But he would be removed from that residency when, at a private dinner, he revealed he was gay. And the director of the residency later told him, You can either resign or I'll fire you. Eventually, in 1967, he would become faculty at Temple University. Um, I mentioned John Fryer is larger than life. Um, he was literally a big dude, he was six foot four, 300 pounds. Um, we're catching up with him in 1972 at the Adolphus Hotel in Dallas, Texas. and this is where the American Psychiatric Association's 1972 annual convention is being held. The past two APA conferences had been the scenes of protest by activists for homosexuality. In 1970, the annual convention was held in San Francisco, and gay rights advocates um, they held a human chain outside the convention center it's sort of barred people from attending the the convention. Um, Then the next year, 1971, the convention was held at the Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C., which is near Rock Creek Park. And it was the scene of over 10,000 protesters who, in addition to gay rights, were protesting against the Vietnam War, which actually that Vietnam War protest received a much greater publicity than the the protest for gay rights. Um, Central to this 1971 D.C. APA protest was Dr. Franklin Kameny. Um, Franklin Kameny, it could be Kameny, I don't really know how you pronounce it. Um, I've never heard it before, only seen it spelled out. K-A-M-E-N-Y. Kameny had his PhD in astronomy, so he was not a psychiatrist. Um, And this is how he describes sort of the, the protest at the Shoreham Hotel in Washington. He says, they had this row of elderly psychiatrists sitting in back, wearing their gold medals with a ribbon around their necks. And we were sitting there. We knew it was going to happen. And right in the middle of Ramsey Clark's speech, the doors burst open and all of the people burst in. The elderly psychiatrists were enraged and proceeded to beat our people, the protesters, on their heads with their gold medals. The psychiatrists pushed a lot of them out, including the person we had arranged to seize the microphone and give the speech. The psychiatrist locked the fire doors, so people milled around for a bit, and nothing was happening, and I decided we were going to lose this altogether. So I came forward up on the stage and seized the microphone. The moderator asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm seizing the microphone from you. And he said, well, tell me your name, and I'll introduce you. So I did, and he did. And I proceeded to denounce them until one of the elderly psychiatrists just pulled the plug out of the wall but I never needed a microphone to be heard, so I went on anyway. And the psychiatrists were down there below me, like shaking their fists, and they were calling us Nazis. In any case, it was interesting. A few days later, we went to their exhibit area, and they had someone, a guy from Iowa, who was selling devices for aversion therapy. We denounced him and sort of forced him to close down there, and that began to get things moving. So that was the 1971 APA convention. And Kemeny wasn't even a psychiatrist attending this convention, um, which was sort of problematic in that there were a lot of homosexual psychiatrists um, who had not really come forward, uh, were sort of closeted, um, and they referred to themselves as the gay PA. And the gay PA realized they needed a movement from inside the American Psychiatric Association. Um, They didn't, uh, outsiders like Franklin Kemeny could only do so much, Um, but Gay members had so much to lose and didn't want to come forward. So it was planned that some brave psychiatrist would be literally secreted, secreted, um, not secreted, but secreted into the uh, American Psychiatric Association Convention in 1972, which was again going to be held in Dallas, in a disguise, who to take the microphone to deliver a speech, similar to how Kamini took the microphone and delivered a speech. So enter Dr. H, and the H stood for Henry Anonymous, and we're going to know Dr. Henry Anonymous to be, uh, in reality, John Ursel Fryer. So John Fryer, at this point, um, he was faculty at Temple University, psychiatrist, dating someone with a theater background, so he decided in this disguise that he would deliver the speech, uh, and he would go all out, so he went all out on costuming. Uh, And you can go, you can Google pictures, and you can look at this costume he was wearing. Um, The mask that he's wearing sort of looks like a clown mask, but I've actually read that it's a distorted mask of then-president Richard Nixon. Um, And he really does look like a clown, though, because that mask is so distorted. And when you pair it with, he had this large, curly-haired wig on, um, he looked sort of like a clown dressed up for Halloween. Um, And he also was wearing this outlandishly oversized tuxedo. Um, The tuxedo sort of reminded me of Dumb and Dumber, Um, although it was black, it wasn't pastel, like the Dumb and Dumber tuxedos. Um, And when he's gonna give the speech, he gives it with the help of a voice distorter. And so he steps up to the microphone in this costume and he delivers a 10 minute speech in front of the American Psychiatric Association, criticizing the diagnosis of homosexuality and talking about how there are many closeted homosexual psychiatrists within the the APA um, who lived in fear of being outed and losing their medical license. Uh, And you could actually do a quick Google search, um, look for the costume, uh, but then also listen to the full recording of the speech. Uh, One of the more famous lines is the opening line that says, I am a homosexual. I am a psychiatrist. And then also really famous are the closing lines. Um, He says, all of us have something to lose. We may not be considered for that professorship. Um, The analyst down the street may stop referring us his overflow. Our supervisor may ask us to take leave of absence. Um, We are taking an even bigger risk, however, in not uh, living fully our humanity. With all of the lessons it has to teach us, uh, teach all the humans around us, um, this is the greatest loss, our honest humanity. And that loss leads all those around us to lose that little bit of their humanity as well. For if they were truly comfortable with their own homosexuality, they, then they could be comfortable with ours. We must therefore use our skills and wisdom to help themselves and us to grow, to be comfortable with that little piece of humanity called homosexuality. And um, that was the very end of his speech. Um, after the speech... Uh, and he uh, apparently it was shocking to, to see this guy, um, the six foot four, 300 pound person in this, this clown looking outfit with a voice distorter um, deliver this 10 minute long speech. People were just aghast. Um, after the speech, you know, he snuck out of the, the conference room um, while people were picking their jaws up from the floor and sort of in a fitting act of karma. He ran into the residency director at the University of Pennsylvania who had fired him years earlier, um, the, the residency director didn't recognize uh, Dr. Henry Anonymous. Nobody knew it was John Fryer at the time because of the costume. Um, so John Fryer, nobody really knew it was him that was Henry Anonymous. Uh, he'd fly home to Philadelphia and he'd barely tell anyone the secret that he was in reality Dr. Henry Anonymous. Um, Ellen Barry's 2002 article in the New York Times describes him as essentially disappearing from the public light. Uh, He'd continue his professorship at Temple University, um, and then he would pass away at age 65. But he was pretty much out of the public spotlight, and nobody had really connected the dots until the early 2000s that John Fryer was Dr. Henry Anonymous. Um, Even though he passed away at age 65 in 2003, his legacy lives on. In 1973, so just months after his speech at the APA convention, the APA decided to depathologize, um, to take homosexuality away as a diagnosis, and remove those famous 81 words from the DSM-2. Um, Friar's adopted hometown of Philadelphia would declare May 2nd John Fryer Day in the early 2000s, uh, May 2nd being the anniversary of his famous speech in Dallas. And the American Psychiatric Association in 2003 founded the John E. Fryer Award. The John E. Fryer Award is one of the highest awards you can receive in mental health care, uh, and it honors extraordinary providers of mental health services to sexual minorities. Um, then in 2013, Saul Levin uh, became the uh, first openly gay chief of the American Psychiatric Association. So um, you might not have heard of John Fryer before. Um, Again, there are other podcasts that sort of uh, uh, cover this better than I do. Uh, I I will recommend once more uh, the This American Life podcast, but it's something that should be talked about more um, and especially should be entered into the gen psych curriculum. You know, when you're talking about people like John Watson, the father of behaviorism. Um, And so I'm sort of shifting gears now. Um, We're entering spooky season. It's starting to become the fall. Um, and I was thinking about uh, in looking at this picture of John Fryer with the the clown mask on. Um I was thinking about John Watson and the the famous picture of him uh standing over little Albert with a clown mask on. And I'm wondering how many other, you know, masks, clown masks or whatever are there in psych- uh psychology? You know, what is the most famous uh masked figure? Is it John Watson? Is it John Fryer? They both have the name John. Um I don't know, super, super interesting. Um, send me an email, c-t-a-y-l-o-4-1 at cbu.edu if I'm leaving out a famous masked figure in psychology. Um, a spooky season. People are, are scared of clowns. Um, thinking about John Watson in that clown mask standing over little Albert was definitely creepy. Um, the fear of clowns is known as coulrophobia. C-O-U-L-R-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. It's a fear of clowns. So maybe I could do a fun Halloween episode coming up. Um, I think I could have enough topics I can talk about um, relating psychology to Halloween. That might be fun. something fun to do in the next month. Um, you could also send episode requests uh, with the subject line mailbag to ctaylo41 at cbu.edu. Send me masked figures in psychology. Send me uh, criticisms, questions, or episode requests. Um, there are a few things in the mailbag. I'll cover one of the the mailbag, uh, emails right now. This one says, hi, Dr. Taylor. My name is, uh, Mara, and I'm currently a second year PsyD student at the University of Laverne in California. I listen to your podcast on my way to school and they're super helpful. Thank you so much for making them. I would love if you could make podcasts dedicated to specific disorders within the disruptive impulse control and conduct disorder family. Thanks again. And yeah, I did like a, a really general episode on those disruptive impulse control disorders um, back in season one. And I just sort of lumped them all together in an episode. But, you know, I could do breakaway episodes on like pyrof- uh, pyromania um, or kleptomania. Um, so I think that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll do that um, in the, uh, the coming weeks too. Um, anyways, I am going to enjoy the rest of my freedom today. Um, Send me some emails, and until next time, which hopefully won't be that far in the future, take care and stay well.